This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot when I shave normally, with a bad razor at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five-blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com otherworld. That's harrys.com otherworld for a $3 trial set. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This episode is one that I started working on a long while back. In fact, I started working on it before Otherworld was even a podcast at all. Now, typically, the stories you hear on this show are ones that I find, but I feel like this story kind of found me. I'm not even sure if Otherworld would exist at all if I didn't end up stumbling across this story. And the way I found it is a very weird situation in and of itself. So, this was July of last year. I was working on a completely unrelated project with two people that I didn't know really well at all. Um, we were kind of colleagues. I don't think I really knew either of them too much before it. But they did know that I was kind of kicking around the idea of making a paranormal podcast because I was talking about it a lot. But essentially, Otherworld was just an idea at that point. So we had just finished up a long meeting and we were all packing up our stuff to head out. And I overhear these two kind of whispering and chattering about a clairvoyant. When I heard this, obviously my ears perked up. I'm a very curious person. And I was basically like, wait, what are you guys talking about? Did I hear you say clairvoyant? And they tried to brush it off. They're like, oh, it's not a big deal. And I was like, wait, do you guys see a clairvoyant? Like, you know I'm trying to make this paranormal podcast. How have you not mentioned this? This is so weird not to mention that to me. Do you both, do you see a clairvoyant? And I remember they both got really quiet and cagey about it, which was super unusual for them. And what's funny is that looking back now, I remember considering leaving it alone because it seemed like they didn't want to talk about it, but I decided to pry, which is usually what I do. And I asked the guy about it again, and he was hesitant, but eventually he told me, basically, they've both seen this clairvoyant, and it's a little weird, but the clairvoyant actually predicted that he would be working with me. And honestly, when I heard that, I was a little, <laughs> I didn't know what to think. I was a little creeped out and felt awkward. Uh, I did not know how to react, so I just turned to the girl 
and I asked her, I'm like, what do you, what's your experience with the clairvoyant? And she said, it's a really long story, but the short version is that she went to this clairvoyant casually, but instead the clairvoyant told her that her stepmom was trying to kill her dad and that he didn't have long to live. And I think I said, okay, can I walk you to your car? Cause I really want to hear the long version of that now. <laughs> and I eventually talked to her into doing an interview. Now this situation was so weird, like so completely surreal. Mind you, the guy had just told me that a clairvoyant had predicted him working with me and that perhaps they were only working with me because this clairvoyant told him to. I didn't really didn't know what to think of this. And then on top of that, this girl just told me this really shocking thing. It was honestly so surreal that I wanted to make sure I remembered it all correctly. So I ended up calling the guy to see how he remembered it. So I remember it was like near the end of the meeting, right? And like it somehow came up. Do you remember? I do. We were we were laying out all that stuff on the table to like look at it visually. She and I were talking about a clairvoyant that we had both seen. She had gone recently. I had gone a few months back. And you heard us talking about this and your ears perked right up. And you turned around and became engaged immediately. Almost in like in, in like I don't know. You were you were waiting to talk about this with someone, you know? Um, and what I remember is, is her describing her experience to you and you were, you were really, your, your wig was like super blown back by it, you know? And you were like, wait, what? Like, what are you like? Hold on a second. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I yeah. thought about that, that conversation recently. Like I, I did. It's so weird that you, you, you texted me and asked me about it. Cause I was thinking about that day. Because I've been listening and I'm a fan, you know, like, and it was funny because that, that, I don't know, just something clicked for me. I also remember you saying that this clairvoyant, like, predicted you working with me. Yeah, she did. She did. (laughs) Is that why you didn't want to talk to me about it? No. I mean, I guess, you know, like, (laughs) come on. Like if the shoe is on the other foot. This is such a weird story. This is such a weird story. If the shoe's on the other foot and somebody told me that, I'd be like, this person's fucking crazy. Like, I'm not talking to them. Like, this is, I would be like, this is a waste of my my time, you know? Well, speaking of things that are crazy, what would you, what would you think if I told you I was still working on the story now in January? I, I would say that me identifying you as a seeker was a hundred percent true. Like that's like, like, like you seem like you're trying to get to the bottom of something. I remember standing by as you guys were really kind of like holding court in the conversation and feeling you seem to like be in this place where, um, I don't, I don't know, I guess I'd call it like a transitional moment, but yeah, I, I, I do recall that conversation. I do recall being weird about it because you were part of that conversation with the clairvoyant. Like how weird is that? You know, like it was pretty weird, you know, but it, it's, it's super bugged out, but it, things only got weirder. I can't wait to hear the rest of the story. All right. So let's get started. You're about to hear the story that I found that day. And what's interesting about this is that the story itself is actually not that paranormal for the most part. 
but I think you'll find that it's a very, very, very weird one. Before we begin, I have to say that because this involves an ongoing criminal investigation, we're keeping the story anonymous. Certain names have been changed, removed, or bleeped out. There are some things that have to be withheld from the episode, but anytime something is referenced, like a video, audio clip, or document, just know that I've seen it, heard it, and confirmed it personally. This is episode 20. The title is The Black Widow, part one, and you're listening to Otherworld. Yes, it is. We're still, you still rolling? Yeah, let us, let us know when you're ready. So I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. I moved to Arizona when I was eight years old. And when I moved to Arizona, I experienced a very unique and unrelatable childhood. It was a little tumultuous. I felt like I grew up way faster than I was supposed to just because I went through a lot of adult things at a young age, um, and my parents got divorced twice. My dad is, um, he's a character. He's like a go-getter. He was incredibly successful at a very early age. He basically was the first person to go to college in his family, and like he started his own company, which was like a tech startup company, so he's kind of like a software pioneer, and he retired around 40. And then he kind of just was like, I'm really good at blackjack. I'm going to go to Vegas and play a professional blackjack. And um, I spent a lot of time in Vegas as a kid. So you see a lot of interesting stuff there that like sort of distorts your reality. (laughs) The casinos are actually like really dark and scary places. We, we really wouldn't take vacations anywhere unless it had a casino. And I think that Vegas was simply a place that my dad went to where he could feel larger than life. Um, and, you know, what comes with that is a lot of skanky women, a lot of money, a lot of um, entitlement in these places. And also a lot of like fake friends, you know? Like my dad always had like a random sketchy person doing, like helping, being his assistant, something weird. And I never really trusted any of them. You know, my dad had this assistant that lived with us for a while. He went to jail for selling, I think drugs. And I remember like getting his letters from jail. Like I remember we went to my brother's Little League game and he took off his shirt and he his whole back was an entire scene of strippers, fully like spread eagle. Like you could see everything of like the the women anatomy. And all the Little League parents were like, who is this guy? He needs to put his shirt on. This is like really graphic. And just, I don't know. It was, it was weird. He just found people that he thought he was helping and taking care of, but we don't really know what they were up to. 
he entered a state of delusion where it was like he was sort of this larger-than-life guy. And in Vegas, I just think that it's very dark. Um, you don't even know what time it is in a casino. Like, it's so dark. Like, like one minute it's 1 p.m. and the next minute it's 4 a.m. Like, you just— it's just totally distorted. So, you know, my dad was a real a yes person and people started to take advantage of that. And he wasn't really clocking it because he was just like, I'm winning, I'm living, like, you know, this is my hobby. And from there, I found photos on his digital camera of women I had never seen before and had to like deliver that news to my mom. And it was like really heavy. There was like a heaviness about that. So like when I say I grew up, I had to be in, like, these weird adult situations. Like, that is one of the adult situations. And then, you know, my parents get a divorce, and that strange woman from the digital camera is now living in our back house because she needed a place to stay, and later on, it was his partner. In the time, I was like, this person's a freaking Looney Tune, but I eventually learned that she would be my favorite because the women to come after that were going to be far worse. My dad was a lot like a very loving friend, um, but he also was a businessman. I didn't really get to know the real him um, after a certain point. When Vegas started coming in and like, all of these weird friends started coming in. I sort of lost sight of like who my dad was. And then, you know, a lot of these affairs and things just made me feel super disconnected from him. And then it was like, he'd be gone and then come home. And then he like lay the fucking ruler down and be like, you know, you can't go here and you can't do this. And it was like, I rebelled because I was like, where have you been? Literally, you've been gone for three months and we have no idea what you're, you've been up to. And so he has lingering weirdos around telling him what to do, gambling, not sleeping properly, developed sleep apnea. He's diabetic and he has a heart condition. And I think sort of started to slip away from reality. So there was his first wife. Ish. I, don't, I don't even know if they were married, but they had a very long relationship. And then there was another woman that came shortly after that. All of these women came within three to five months of each other. And he would get sicker each year and just kind of like, he didn't want to be alone in the house. He didn't know how to be alone. These women became like his caretakers. And then there was another woman right after that. They got married in a month, full marriage. She was, like, absolutely insane as well. Blonde, big, fake boobs, a known gold digger around town. She had a lot of children that she was not allowed to see, not allowed visitation rights with them. This would be a huge red flag for me, but for some reason it wasn't to my dad. My dad loves to be this helper and, like, savior. And so my dad was put to work about on, like, how to get these kids back. And I was like, Dad, this is such an undertaking. She literally has six kids. Like, what are they going to do? Come live with us? And he's like, yeah. Like, let's just, you know, we we need to get her to see her kids again. And I was like, there's clearly a reason that she's not allowed around her children. It's like a pretty big red flag. Anyways, 
their relationship, I think, lasted like six months and she took off in the middle of the night and was never seen again. Took off with the ring, grabbed all of her stuff and disappeared. And I think that that was like so traumatic for my dad. That I think really did a number on him because no one ever took off in the middle of the night. And I think it just completely wrecked his self-esteem. I think it was really traumatic. And I think his mom was passing away and it was just a really awful time. And, you know, when people are down and out, they can attract really seedy people. And these other women that started coming, like the in-betweeners that were starting to come through were 10 times seedier, way younger, very close to my age, and just way more bizarre. You know, we were getting really worried about him. And in 2017, my dad said that he was coming to Los Angeles, which he's only visited me five times and I've lived here 13 years. He said, I'm coming to Los Angeles and I'm bringing my new girlfriend. Like, she's great. She's the one. So I go to the Ritz, somewhere very fancy, and... I meet Amy and I was like aghast. Just her her energy and presence was so off-putting. It 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 was like a scary movie character. Like that that was like the energy that I got from her off the bat. It it was so startling. I'll never forget it. I met them by the pool. Um she was wearing a brand new expensive bikini. They had already started like the shopping and the bathing suit was so symbolic to me because all of his women would be wearing these beach bunny bathing suits that were like really expensive and, you know, rhinestones everywhere. And she was very feeble and unhealthy looking and scraggly. Um... <laughs> She had adult braces. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Can I laugh on this? I, I don't want to, this is fucked up to say. She was like, like jump scare. Like I was jump scared by her aesthetic. And she was brunette. She had black hair. And this is also important because we started referring to her as the Black Widow. I was around 24, 25, and she was probably 33, 34. She didn't look like it. <laughs> she looked like she had lived a very long life. She was a creepy, creepy woman, like with a creepy stare. And later on, you know, we're all floating in the pool. And my dad drops the bomb that she had just gotten out of a woman's shelter. I was like, okay. And, you know, she's like, oh, I've never what's Rodeo Drive? I've never heard of these things. And I don't know designer items. I shop at Walmart. That's, that's the only store I know. And yeah, I also have three children that I'm not allowed to see either. They live with my husband, who's this horrible guy. And so red flag number 50, I'm like, it's the same red flag as the last woman who was unable to see her children. Like, it's really hard not to be able to have any visitation rights to see your children. Like, something must have happened. And so, you know, I get uncomfortable and she had noticed, I think, my energy shift. 
where I was just like, not again. And here we go. And why does it have to be this way? And later on, I was getting ready to go to dinner with them. And my dad was like, you know, he called me and started laying into me, being like, the way that you treated Amy at the pool was absolutely despicable. How dare you? You were talking about her with your friend. And my friend and I weren't talking about it at the pool. I mean, maybe telepathically, but I hadn't said anything. I just was kind of like, I'm enjoying this pool day, hoping that this fling won't last and whatever. But I, I apologized for treating her away or whatever. And we go to dinner that night with my friend again, which was a mistake. <laughs> and my dad is acting so weird, like so weird. He was falling asleep in his spaghetti and she seemed like she was on drugs. They were both falling asleep, like completely nodding out like a heroin addict. And I was like, this is odd. I've never seen him like this. He doesn't really drink. I've never seen him do drugs ever, no matter who was around, you know? He never, that was never his thing. He's a control freak, I think, and likes, you know, to be coherent. And that was something that was super alarming. And then, you know, the next day I was like, dad, that was uh, really scary. And he was like, I was just so tired. You know, my medications are all making me feel some type of way. And I was like, that was really scary. We wind up seeing each other again. We're walking around Beverly Hills. We like walked into Saint Laurent and she tried on a leather jacket. You could just see she was like, I'm home. Like this is my new life. And she would look at us and be like, oh my God, I've never worn something this expensive before. I, I shop at Walmart. What brand? Oh my, I have no idea. Overdoing it. Like, what's Louis Vuitton? What? Oh my gosh. Like, your dad is so... I can't accept this. What I did notice that was strange is she was wearing a ring on her hand. And it was the same ring from, I think, two women prior. Like, my dad had just kept it. I have no idea. It was very strange. And so, you know, I alert my family, my brother, my mom... And we all agreed that for some reason, this felt different. This felt like this was going to be the demise of my dad. This was going to be the scariest person we have ever encountered. Like there was an, like a major grievance. Like I remember even calling my uncle being like, I am, so, and I'm not really close to my uncle, but I remember calling my uncle being like, this is wrong. This is horrible. She had created a dynamic where she wanted me to feel that way. So I would be the judgmental asshole in the situation where it was like, how dare you speak of this woman who is in a, you know, battered woman's shelter this way. Like, I have rescued her. Of course, she's not going to fit in right now. She's traumatized. Like, how dare you judge this person? But it wasn't just the appearance. It was the whole energy package. And then her also not having visitation rights to her children. That was like the ultimate. I was like, here, this is, this is insane. So we do the shopping excursion. I called everybody. I made everybody alert. I remember at like the tail end of my trip, my dad just like handed me a check. I was really, really financially struggling in this time too. And he was like, yeah, well, I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for Amy. Amy really wanted you to have this. 
you know, and you kind of treated her like shit. And she's just this like really lovely woman who's in your corner and, you know, wants you to have all of the things. And I just felt even weird taking that. It it was bizarre. I It was like so out of nowhere and strange. But again, like circling back to like money, it, money can fix the issue, which she had quickly caught on to that. And like that was going to kind of be like her thing whenever she wanted to manipulate someone in our family. Like it was always like, well, we'll get you the thing that you want, you know. And my dad would always be like, I would have never done this. It's all Amy. Like Amy's the best. And so there was a moment where I even was like a little bit in a state of delusion where it was like, okay, well, he doesn't really normally do things like that. Maybe she is being kind about us or something. Maybe I am, you know, off about this, but I don't know. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Hey, other world listeners, I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from Otherworld as a show could possibly be, which is why I think many people were very, very shocked when I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. I'll never forget the day my episode came out and every single one of my college-age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused, but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down to earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between. You could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini episodes and every Thursday with her ride or die best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. It's raw and laugh out loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Walk a Flock of Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So weird stuff started happening where like, I really only started going back to Arizona for major holidays. You know, if like I could go to my dad's birthday or, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, those kind of things. And anytime there was a major holiday or a life event that didn't involve her, she would be become very, very ill, like really sick, can't get out of bed. And either the party or whatever it was would get canceled or we would just kind of continue without her and my dad would be in a really foul mood and kind of take it out on everybody else. But it was always Amy sick. Amy was always sick. And my father helped her get her children back from the ex-husband who was made out to be this like really evil man. So all of a sudden we had three children living at his house. 
And they're all sort of unusual in their own way. The eldest was very low functioning, special needs. The middle child was high functioning, autistic. And the third child was held back in school (laughs) quite a lot. There was something very off about her and I would probably attribute that to a lot of traumatic events happening that she witnessed. So she was a little off and probably could have used some help that she did not receive. None of the kids received any type of help for the type of abuse that was supposedly happening with their dad. And there was a point where we were not allowed to come out. My brother and I were not allowed to come over. And every time I called my dad, someone was sick. And my dad had a low immune system, so he was always getting sick. I guess over time, my brother and I got less and less time with my dad. We kind of like weren't able to go over to his house anymore. Um, There was one big scenario that happened that kind of like started the kickoff of like the big separation between now my brother, who was my dad's best friend, me and my mom, because my dad and my mom are still friends. So my mom was looking for a job at the time and my dad was like, I have so much paperwork. You're the only person I trust to go through all of this and organize it. And I know your organizing skills are amazing. I will pay you to come over and just reorganize my entire file cabinet. And so my mom came over and my mom kind of got to know Amy a little bit. And there was one day where there was an explosive fight with my mom in the house. And the fight was that Amy had racked up an astronomical number on a Neiman Marcus credit card and was throwing away the bills. So my dad was not getting the bills. And she had been writing checks to herself and all of this crazy stuff, stealing. She was stealing. And that was when things started to like get really weird and they were just about to get married. They were just about to go to Hawaii to get married. And a couple of days later, he fired my mom. It was like, Amy can handle it. She's my wife now. Um, she was taking us all out of the equation, kind of, and like isolating my dad, which is kind of like what these black widows sort of do. Everybody's telling him, do not marry this woman. This is this is really off. This is wrong. This is horrible. And somehow she won him back. They were quickly off to Hawaii. She was already like off to the races. She signed the paperwork and she was like, this is my house now and we go to Hawaii and we get there she's in a bikini and I notice she has a large tattoo on her spine and it's my dad's signature I was an awful brat in Hawaii because I just knew that this was all so wrong and I couldn't believe that my my dad's side had totally bought this I was like this is fake She was just stealing from him a week ago. But night one was very weird because my dad lost his wallet. And what would start happening is these weird occurrences would happen at restaurants, any kind of 
high-end establishment where something would go wrong, something would go missing. It would turn into this whole drama where Amy would try to get people fired. That was like, that became like her, her joy. You know, if the food was bad, if the whatever was bad, she would talk in my dad's ear and would tell my dad, like, a pizza got delivered to our house. She slams the door, puts the pizza on the table and is like, yeah, so I dated that pizza guy and he was really mean to me. My dad would call Domino's and be like, this pizza guy hit on my wife. They dated, he was abusive towards her. This started happening so frequently. She would go to the gas stations, would say that people were checking her out and would have to call the police, like saying men were following her around. All of this really intense drama started happening. Completely evil. Completely, uh, I would be scared if any stranger had the unfortunateness of crossing the street next to her because she would like to make my dad jealous. That's like what it came down to. And she would be like, oh, that guy was just checking me out. Our waiter is like flirting with me. I'm so uncomfortable. My brother and I would have this joke, like the waiter's not checking you out. He's just looking how at how botched your face is. <laughs> like, because by that time, she had the most plastic surgery I've ever seen on a woman. Like she got addicted to plastic surgery, I presume. But anywhere she went, drama followed, surely. Someone was going to get fired. Someone was going to lose their job because this made-up story would happen in order to get my dad's attention. Because my dad was like drifting away and sleeping a lot and probably not giving her the attention or things that she wanted. So my dad's wallet goes missing in Hawaii and I knew. I knew, I knew, I knew she stole the wallet. I knew it. It wasn't even like, oh, you left it on the airplane. It was like, Amy took the wallet. We all thought Amy took the wallet. And, you know, my dad gets super angry with her. She's crying. And then all of a sudden, it's like, no, the wallet was actually stolen by the staff. So they spent this entire time trying to figure out who this limousine driver was that stole my dad's wallet. And I think that poor guy wound up losing his job or getting in serious trouble or some kind of thing happened. On their honeymoon, someone stole her Louis Vuitton bag. Her brand new Louis Vuitton duffel bag was just stolen at the Four Seasons Hotel by a bellman. And all of these things started happening. You know, my dad would always buy her the new thing and always buy her like whatever, and get like insurance money and all of this stuff. And I guess we'll jump to 2020 when things started just getting so weird. I barely talked to him on the phone. He is the type of guy who calls me every day. I stopped talking to him for weeks on end. My dad's getting older. He's getting more susceptible to all of this sickness that's around him. And he's starting to mentally decline rapidly. You know, dementia runs in our family and all of these things run in our family. But prior to meeting Amy, he looked the best he'd ever looked. He was able to travel. He was able to function. And every time I would call him, he would be half asleep, wouldn't remember what we talked about. I would ask to come visit. Things would get really weird. I got a new car 
that he generously helped me with. It was a gift. And I I came to Arizona and had to leave the next day because I had a really important meeting. And for some reason, I couldn't stay at their house, which was new because my dad always wanted me to stay at his house. And I'm in a hotel and I text them and she's responding from his phone because he was still sleeping. He started to take a lot of naps and my messages my messages would just go, they'd just constantly be read and never applied to. Or if he replied to me, he would say something that he totally would never say. It was just not him. And I remember calling her and being like, hey, I'm going to go get bagels for you and the kids. You know, because I always just tried to be, I got to a point where I was like, I got to make this work. So I was like, can I bring you the bagels? And she was like, oh, your dad's asleep. I don't think you need to do that. It's okay. Just go on your, just be on your way. It's all good. And then later on, you know, when he would kind of come to, he'd say like, I'm so disappointed and feel so disrespected that you just came to Arizona, got a car and left. I was like, what are you talking about? I am not allowed to come over. Like people stopped being allowed to come over She completely isolated him away from friends, any friends he did have. I mean, he was not allowed to talk to my mom at all. Anytime I would be talking to him, he would make me talk to Amy as well. I had to get on the phone with her and like shoot the shit with her. So the pandemic comes around and I think Amy got COVID 20 times. And would have to quarantine in the backyard and... Really, really wild stuff. Things started getting really bad at the beginning of 2021. And they came out to Laguna. I was trying to see them. I was going to drive over to Laguna and spend time with them. And my dad completely ghosted me, which is so out of character. Normally, he'd say, I don't think it's going to work out or whatever, but just ghosted me for like three days. I was like, sorry, honey, we were busy. At that point, I was just like, I don't really care and I don't know and didn't really dive into it. He was in a lot of fear during the pandemic and wasn't acting like himself at all. Out of nowhere, they decide to move to Florida. My dad's like, I bought a house in Florida without seeing it and we're moving. Summer of 2021, I would say he went full comatose. Like, couldn't reach him. Couldn't have a a conversation with him on the phone. Just goes full silence. It's weird. He's in and out of the doctor. And the doctors are like, what is going on here? They couldn't figure it out. They're like, someone at his age should not be in here as much. His heart was going crazy. It was really weird. And... Amy, his wife, who would take him to all all of these doctor's appointments, could just never really give us the real rundown of what was happening. She'd always be like, oh, your dad is blah, blah, blah. You know, like, we just have to get get him on this type of insulin, and then he'll be doing great. He's in his late 60s. From how things were going, it was was making sense to me that his, his organs were, like, failing. And he was on a lot of prescription drugs and she was also feeding him garbage like straight up garbage when you are that type of diabetic you have to be on such a clean diet he was never on top of it his sugar levels would be like all over the place and I remember I called 
And I was really calm and cool, but there was something that was wrong. And my uncle, I had then been texting with my uncle and my uncle's like, we're not allowed to go over to your dad's house. Amy said, we're not allowed to come over because she doesn't like, she doesn't like us. She says we are negative and we're not allowed to come over and your dad lives literally five minutes away and I haven't seen him in three months since he moved here. And he's never awake. He's always sleeping. So now we're all kind of talking. My mom, my brother, my uncle, we're all kind of like, okay, something's like really not right here. And so I called my dad because I was like, I'm going to come out and visit you. She grabbed the phone away from him and viciously was like, you're not allowed to come out here. Your dad's too sick. It's too hectic. But if you are going to come out here, you need to be helping me. I just was making your dad a healthy lunch of salmon and I just splashed oil all over myself. I need to lay down. I have third degree burns on me right now. Always, right? Because like someone else is getting the attention. It was the first time I heard her voice change into something like extremely sinister. Like the real version jumped out. Before I was always like, oh, poor me, I'm sick. And oh, you know, and it was like, I'm making your dad salmon. Like really that evil, evil voice came out. And I was like, something is incredibly wrong. So after that call, I was completely alarmed. I was not allowed to fly out there. Uh, My brother lived in Miami at the time and I was really urging my brother to go there but my brother was kind of scared. And I called my uncle and I was just like, I told you guys this four years ago that she is going to be the worst person that he has ever encountered. And I believe it more than ever at this point. And my uncle was like, given the last four months of my relationship with your dad and us living five minutes away from him and the drama that's come about, with her presence in this town, I am completely now aligned with you on that. So meanwhile, back in LA, by random chance, my friend had referred me to a clairvoyant, um, magical individual who I had booked an appointment three months prior with, and that date was approaching, I think like a couple days later. And I have always kind of had interest in these kind types of people, but I've had bad experiences with psychics before, just kooky. So I roll up, I'm going through so much shit. I think walk in completely like, all right, what's going to happen now? I kind of like wasn't even in the mood for it, but I was feeling really nervous for some reason. And so I sit down and I had to meditate, which at that point I was like, I had like an aversion to meditation. I just was like, I don't get it. It doesn't, this is okay. I'll do it. Like, you know, and I'm sitting there waiting for her to walk in. I expected a completely different person to walk in. And it was like this gorgeous, like magical person that I immediately felt safe with. We do a little meditation ceremony together where we just kind of like held hands and we connected. So I'm sitting there and she says, you've been in a lot of really 
weird situations, very coincidental situations. And she said, it's even weird that you're here right now, but it's so meant to be. She would basically only ask two questions. What is their name and where are they in the physical world? And anytime I tried to give her more information, she would be like, please stop. do not tell me. Do not tell me any anything else. And so I was like, okay. And we start talking about my dad. And she starts talking about Amy. And she's telling me that they have a really bad relationship and kind of started going into what Amy is like. Pretty much was like, she doesn't care about anybody but herself. She will do anything for a dollar. She is a call girl. She went into her childhood and said she was like extremely abused as a child will do anything for money. She's not baiting me. She's just fully giving me details that I didn't ask for and could have found pretty offensive had I liked Amy or if it was wrong, you know? It was so direct. She was so sure. It was like all the dots were connecting. And she just starts going in and she actually apologized to me at one point because she said, you know, what I'm about to say is like, you know, I really, I have so much love for people, but she's very, she's not a good person. And she used like some pretty intense words to describe Amy. And I had not given her any information about Amy. I had not given her any information about Amy's family, nothing. And then she just kind of says, like, she's threatened your dad's life before. Um, and then she tells me that he's leaving soon, that he's tired and his body is failing and goes into the fact that she there's foul play happening and that she's worried for him because what she was seeing was that he was dying in the next six months. So then she says that she's harming your dad and your dad is leaving soon. He's tired. He he can't keep up with this. Um, and she said Amy is not going to be in the picture for long, which gave me like weird peace of mind. And she told me, this was really crazy. She told me that my mom was going to go down to Florida to help my dad recover and forgive my dad for all of the stuff that had happened. And I was like, that sounds insane. That's not what's gonna happen. My mom called me a day later and she said, I'm going to Florida to help your dad get organized. I know this sounds insane and people probably don't believe it or I'm misremembering what I said, but I'm not because I recorded it. She makes you record it so you can go back and listen. All right, that brings us to the end of The Black Widow Part 1. 
man, I love this story and I'm excited for you all to hear part two, which is going to come out very soon. Once again, I have changed names and had to omit things due to this involving a ongoing criminal investigation. I know that's a bit of a spoiler, but I'm sure some of you see this coming. And I'm sure there's some people that are listening wondering, how did everybody not see this coming? There was red flags. Well, it's easier said in hindsight. I think there's a lot of people listening that probably understand this, but when your entire life is a series of red flags and you can't do anything about it, you end up just trying to block out the bad stuff and making the best out of the situation you're in. And I could definitely relate to that. And I'm sure there's some people listening to this podcast right now who could relate to it. At a certain point when the chaos is so constant, things just no longer surprise you because you've been surprised enough and (laughs) nothing can shock you anymore. Um, And I completely understand that. That being said, the story is not over and I'm very excited for everybody to hear the rest. In fact, the story is long from over, I'd say. So, you're going to have to listen to part two to hear the rest. This has been episode 20. The title is The Black Widow, part one. And you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Cobraman. The soundtrack of this episode is by Chrome Sparks, as well as North Americans. Editing and engineering by Theo Schaefer. The artwork for our show is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. This is an independent show, so please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. And please do tell your friends, because that is really helping us recently. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at OtherworldPod on Instagram and Twitter. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com.